What's up, guys? Welcome to the Walk-Ons Podcast. It's Thursday, March 11th, and we've got a killer show for you guys today. Championship week is in full swing. March Madness is upon us. The NFL purge for free agency is, is, uh, is really kicking off, and we've also got an awesome interview for you guys. We've got Matthew Judon, two-time Pro Bowl linebacker, formerly the Baltimore Ravens. He's a free agent, so not sure where he'll end up, but it is a great interview, so really looking forward to that. But let's kick it off, as always, with my man Andrew Schuster. What's up, buddy? How are you? Glad to be here. I'm glad it's a beautiful sunny day where Duke basketball is done for the year. Oh, God, of course you would start with that. Well, let's start with championship week in general, right? Because this is as good as it gets in the sports world, in my opinion. I'm in my office today. I got the TV on with one game. I got one monitor with another game, another monitor with another. My wife's wondering what the hell's going on because there's a bunch of whistles going on while she's on her Zoom calls. But I just I absolutely love it. We've already had some awesome buzzer beaters. Notre Dame over Wake, UVA over Syracuse, some big upsets, Georgetown upset Nova earlier today. Uh, I, want, I want to start with actually Nova. Um, you know, Connor Gillespie out for the year. Justin Moore, the third leading scorer, he's dealing with a significant ankle sprain. They just went down to Georgetown. What do you make of Nova? It looks like they're probably still going to be a one seed, but I'm not sure they're deserving of it. And I, I, They could be ripe for an early round upset. I don't know if they're going to be a one seed, especially with this early round exit. But I, I do think without the injuries, Nova's going to be that team going forward where you always are, are poised for a tournament run. I think Jay Wright's shown. He's a, one of the top five coaches in college basketball, and he's done it, especially at a mid-major school like Villanova. So, yeah, this year they have some bad luck on their side. But, you know, I think that's a, that's a program that's going to have a little bit of a bullseye on their back in the tournament regardless. So they might be poised for an early exit this year for sure. Or in other words, Nova has the college basketball world right where they want them, right? They, they lost the possible player of the year in the Big East. Their third leading scorer is down. They, look, they just lost to Georgetown. Looks like they are reeling, and now here we go. They're going to make a run to the Final Four. Of course they are. But all right, here's your softball question there, my man. Duke, the big story. They're out of the ACC tournament after a uh, positive test for COVID. Their AD Kevin White says, not only is this the end of the ACC tournament, it's the end of Duke season. If that's true, it's going to end a, 24, a streak of 24 straight tourney appearances for them. So the interesting thing here, we mentioned this a few weeks back, right? COVID is lingering still over us all. This is the first sort of domino to fall. And of course it's Duke. And of course it was a walk-on who tested positive, how apropos. But in your opinion, Andrew, is this a one-off or is this, is this a bad omen for the tourney? I'm not a big believer in, you know, omens, breaking mirrors, walking under ladders, that whole thing. But it kind of has a, a scary connotation here as we look ahead to the tournament. Yeah, well, I want to start off by saying I don't wish any ill will towards the guy who tested positive. I hope he has a speedy recovery and he doesn't have any lingering effects or any of all that. Um, but, yeah, as I started with, I'm not sad to see Duke not being involved because – the way they ended the regular season, it was like clearly they're not a tournament team. Then they start turning it on in the ACC tournament, and you start to get a little, oh, my gosh, is this? are they still going to find a way in? But this puts the uh, kibosh on that. But, yeah, it's, it's not a great omen to have one of the most high-profile programs in the country have to end their season just before the tournament. Um, and, they, and they released protocol on how they're going to handle if there's a COVID outbreak. But, obviously, we just prefer that's not even to be a factor because – that's going to lead to arguments where it's like, well, this team advanced the Sweet 16 because they didn't have a round of 32 game. You know, it's, it's just better for everyone if they can get all 67 games in. And you'd like to think once the tournament starts, they can, those players will lock in and try to avoid as much human contact as possible. But, you know, you, just, you never know with college kids. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah, certainly the big obvious. So we, we all hope this year is not like last year and we get all the games in, everything's fine. But what do you make also of, uh, of the actual – 
you know, there, there's been a lot of kind of questions over what happens if a team who's in the tournament get, has one of these COVID tests, you know, do they, do, do they postpone the game? Do they cancel the game or do they forfeit? It looks like the latest that we've heard is as long as a team has five healthy players, they can continue on in the tournament and keep playing. Now, that would be a wild scenario, seeing like a, you know, a Sweet 16 matchup with the other team only has five players. I mean, do you think something like that is even feasible, or is, is there maybe something else that you have in mind that might be a better you know, sort of workaround for if, if that were to happen in the tournament? Yeah, I mean, with the, with the condensed schedule of the tournament, I don't really think you can do anything else besides just straight up cancel it. I mean, yeah, yeah the, the five players is, is kind of insane, especially imagine, say, it's like you have four guards and one post player. Like, you're just going to have to roll with that. And it's, it's going to just be like just such a, you know, handicap that it's almost like I'd almost rather just not play the game. Um, but, you know, the NCAA is like, we want to play all the games if we can, especially with the money they lost last year. So I get it. And let's just, I think at the end of the day, you just got to hope they don't have any of the big outbreaks that would really, you know, kind of drag down the events as a whole. Yeah, I agree. I, I guess I would say if, if I had to choose, I'd much rather see a team that's won maybe a game or two have a chance to compete, even if they've got five or six guys. Uh, I certainly don't want to see a forfeit. You know, that's that nobody likes a forfeit, but kind of reminds me of was that a couple of years ago, Alabama with, with Colin Sexton when he was down, team was down to three players and he almost beat, I forget who it was, but they almost beat the team single-handedly with three, three guys. Uh, I hope it doesn't get to that point because that's just not good basketball. But I also very, very, very much hope that they just get the games in and this doesn't happen. And, you know, Duke is a one-off as, as we know. But uh, also a quick shout-out on the tournament. My, my boys, UC Santa Barbara, the Gauchos, are the number one seed in the Big West tournament. Just knocked off Long Beach State. So uh, hope, to, hope to see you guys in the tournament. And please don't get hit with a COVID outbreak over there. But you know, anything is possible, I suppose. Let's move on to NFL. We've got – the purging has begun, guys. So the Chiefs are releasing both their starting offensive tackles. The Saints are releasing everybody. We knew this was going to happen with the cap going down. Teams need to get under that threshold. First and foremost, I love free agency, and this is really shaping up to be the wildest offseason maybe ever. But let's take a look at the Chiefs. I mean, we all saw what happened in, in the Super Bowl where they absolutely got – waxed by that defense of Tampa Bay now they're releasing both their starting offensive tackles what do you make of this move is this is this a smart move for them or is this dynasty potentially going downward before it really even begins yeah well I think this was always the concern with the Chiefs going forward was how could they keep all these players together for however many years Mahomes will be there and they were never going to be able to do it the whole time but this has really expedited it and obviously it's not their fault to have the lower salary cap they weren't expecting COVID no one was but yeah, to re- release those players, which were their most glaring weakness in the Super Bowl, is I, I definitely was a little bit wide-eyed when I saw that. It's They must really have a, a great backup plan. Maybe that's where they're going to go with their first-round pick. And, yeah, I mean, they, they, they know what, why they messed up in the Super Bowl. And so the reason that if they're, if they're rolling with this no-tackle strategy, they must have a backup plan. Yeah, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it works out for them. Maybe they can just put a couple fullbacks back uh, on each uh, end of the tackles and just hope Mahomes can get rid of the ball. But on the other side of that coin, so we've got a lot of guys losing their jobs for the moment, but we've also got some guys getting paid. Matt Milano inked a four-year, $44 million deal with the Bills. But also the big one, Dak Prescott, that man got paid. Four years, 160 mil. I think it's 126 mil guaranteed. You know, Jerry Jones – 
was actually, to his credit, pretty upfront. He said anything he's ever bought that turned out to be special, he overpaid for. So he's certainly acknowledging that he may be overpaid. But if I'm being honest, I look at the landscape out there as far as QBs go, and it really seems to behoove teams to keep the ones in-house that are actually good and not try to go looking for, you know, a, a Band-Aid type solution. What, what do you think about this deal? Do you like it? Is, it? is it a mistake for Dallas? What do you think? Well, I think when I, when I first saw this deal, my first thought was good for him. You know, he, he went through a lot the last couple of years with the franchise tags. But now it's just a question of, like, Dak Prescott, good quarterback, but is he in the top echelon of the league? Absolutely not. So what is the next contract going to be? You know, is, is Aaron Rodgers going to say, hey, I want to be paid $100 million a, a year, you know, or whatever the, the guaranteed the next step up is. So it's, it's one of those where I'm sure every quarterback in the league that, you know, has some job security is licking their chops now going, oh, baby. It's beginning. I'm going to be a billionaire by the time I'm 30. Well, there's certainly a ceiling to that. I mean, you can't, there's, you can't pay the quarterback all the money and then you don't have a team to field or anybody to protect him or play defense. But really, you don't think Dak Prescott is in the upper echelon of, of QBs in this league? Uh, when I say upper echelon, I'm thinking maybe the top eight. I don't know if I'd put him in the top eight. Um, I mean, you could list Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady still. Uh, Lamar Jackson. I mean, that's six right there. And that's just off the top of my head. I, I still think Dak's a, team, a, a player that any team would be happy to have if he, if he had been a free agent. I mean, as a Broncos fan, I would have loved to have Dak Prescott. But like, realistically, I don't view him as a elite quarterback that's on the same echelon as those other guys I just named. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think I would have agreed with you at the beginning of last year, but seeing what he did before that ankle injury, I mean, he, he really looked like he was coming on. And, and kudos to the Cowboys as, as much as I dislike them, you know, keeping that guy in house. Also, you know, the, a loyalty aspect, right? I mean, Dak has always kind of kept the faith. He's been, he's been the, the model citizen there in Dallas, and, and they rewarded him with a big contract. But, you know, good, good on him. We'll see how that works out for them. All right, guys. Well, coming up next, we've got our interview with Matthew Judon, two-time Pro Bowl linebacker. So we'll be right back with that. All right, our guest today is former fifth-round pick of the Baltimore Ravens out of Grand Valley State. He spent the last five seasons in Baltimore. He's a two-time Pro Bowl linebacker. You can find him on Twitch, JudonM99. And be sure to follow him on Twitter also. It's at man underscore damn with two M's. It's Matthew Judon. What's up, Matthew? How are you, man? What's up, man? How you doing? I might have to change my instagram and twitter handle man that's it's been a long time running huh <laughs> hey man if it, if it worked back then why not keep it going I, I i love it man the man damn that's beautiful yeah <laughs> man all right hey since you love it i'm gonna keep it yeah i love it i keep running with it man it's the best well hey all right. we appreciate you joining us today i want to just get started with kind of the last you know this this last season obviously it, it ultimately didn't go the way you guys hoped you had that hard fought hard fought loss to baltimore in the divisional round but, you know, looking at what's been really a crazy year across the sports world, unique, it's never been seen before. What's, what's your biggest takeaway from, from that year? Obviously, it was a, a disappointing end, but you got a talented team like the Ravens, high expectations. you got a great group of guys. What was your biggest takeaway from last year? Man, uh, the biggest takeaway from last year, you know, I, I think it kind of was everybody's year, whether you was in the sports world or not in the sports world because we was all kind of going through the same thing at the same time. And it was a lot of unknowns was that, you know, uh, when you, when you come together as like a community and as we did as a team and, and you bond and you jail, well, uh, you can make some tough situation, uh, for a lot of people, uh, you can just make them better. 
And I think that's what we all went through last year. Uh, but as as a team, we jailed together and we really leaned on one another because that's really all we could hang out with. And that's even though they had like strict rules against hanging out with one another, but uh, that's really all we had in our families. So uh, that was that was it. And as far as, uh, far as football wise, uh, you know that. You know, it's only going to be every year. It's only going to be one champion. And uh, you strive and you put your best foot forward every year. But it's always going to only be one champion. It doesn't matter if you if you lose in the Super Bowl or if you you go 0-16. If you're not a champion at the end of the season, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be heartbreaking. And so, you know, you're not a failure. You know, you just you just took another lesson. So that I mean, that's kind of really how I look at the 2020 season. Absolutely, yeah. And as as tough as last year was, though, I will say the Ravens. You guys played in probably the most fun game of the year, that Monday night game against Cleveland. Now yeah. I gotta ask. I'm sure you know what's coming. What was going on with Lamar when he was running to the locker room? So uh, Lamar had to without from what I'm told, and what everybody say is Lamar had to go. Uh, get an IV and uh and so how he explained it when he was back on the plane because you know we was giving we was giving them you know no pun intended but we was giving them shit about it but uh so uh but he had he had got COVID and he missed a couple games you know and when you went through through those 10 11 days that you're out they say no exercise uh, you know, drink a lot of fluids, but you know the disease, the disease or the virus, it was affecting different people in different ways. So they wanted to make sure that it didn't affect your organs or lungs or heart. So, uh, you know, as athletes, we work out almost every day, or we run almost every day. So he said he was out there and he was sweating a lot. And I think that was his first game back. It was a lot of our first game back. And he said, he just started catching cramps. And, you know, it's not like a morning game where you, where you, you wake up, you drink, you know, two, two glasses of water and you hydrated for the whole game. You kind of got to drink throughout the whole day. And maybe he wasn't drinking fluid throughout the whole day. I don't know what he was doing, but he said he was catching cramps. But the camera angle made it look like he was walking, like he has, you know, some stuff in his pants. So, uh, man, so it, it was crazy. But, you know, we all, RG3 had put out an uh, Instagram or Twitter post about it, and we was all making fun of him. But, he, you know, he was, he was cool about it. So, so you know, I think he, he was cramping because I was kind of cramping that game as well. But, you know. I'm not going to say he didn't take a poop while he was back there. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Most likely an IV, but hey, who knows? We were just – I'm glad to know it wasn't like one of those MJ getting poisoned by a pizza scenario, like the, the Browns fans kind of crazy, you know, bring something to his hotel room. But there yeah. you have it from, from the man right there. Well, hey, okay. let's talk about another rivalry, and it's it's really one of the best. I mean, we, we obviously were talking Ravens, Browns, but Ravens, Steelers, that rivalry is one of the best in all mm -hmm. sports, in my opinion. I'm curious from a player's perspective. I mean, does it have that same type of elevated feel for you guys when you go on, you know, go play at Heinz Field or 
host them? You know, is, is, is it really as sort of nasty as, as it plays on TV? Yeah, it's better at Heinz Field. Yeah. And I, it's better at Heinz Field uh, because, you know, they – because it's nobody backing it. Well, we travel well, so it'd be some fans there. But you're just in enemy territory. And it's something about being in, in enemy territory where you know you hate it. You know, uh, like they don't want a picture with you. They don't want your autograph. They don't want. They don't want nothing from you besides to see you sad as hell after a loss. So it's a. Uh, it's nothing. It's no better feeling than winning in Hinesville. And then you know, running across that field, you know, dapping it up with your homies after the game. But during the game, it's all it's all enemies out there, all enemies. And then after the game, you know, you you put the, you put it away until the next time you play. But I think I think during the game is no love, and you know, it's no love lost between when, between whistles and everything. You trying to do anything in your power to to win that game because you you don't like them that much. I don't like them like that either. But I ain't, I don't got no reason not to like them only because of, the only reason I don't like them because I'm a Raven. I feel like I'm a Raven, and then they feel like they Pittsburgh Steelers. But I think uh, I think the one crazy thing is that the Ravens had traded Chris Wormley to the Steelers. And so uh, – but, I mean, he won. He won both of the matchups this year, and – I ain't really even get to play in these games this year. I think I played like 11 snaps between both of the Steelers games. So, you know, if if I – in free agency, if I do end up somewhere else, I'm still not going to like the Steelers just because. The heat runs deep. I like it. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And you, and you talk about like it's just – it's nasty out there. It's, it's Pittsburgh. It's Baltimore football. But going off of that, getting drafted by the Ravens, you've – had such a great opportunity playing with, you know, a great defensive locker room and great defensive players. Are there any guys that really stood out that helped mentor you and you kind of shaped your, your play after coming into the league? Uh, I mean, who helped mentor me? My yeah. first year, uh, Zach Orr took me under his wing and he taught me the rope. So, yeah, I mean, it was – when you come into this league and, and, and you make it and you start – you become a good player. It's not only one person. So, you know, Zach Orr was a middle linebacker, uh, but it was him, uh, Albert McQuellen, we call Burt, and then C.J. Mosley and Anthony Levine. And, you know, they they was like – they was real thick. And then they, they just took me and, like, Peanut and a couple of other young guys and they kind of just taught us the ropes and how to navigate through uh, upper punishment and, and football games and everything like that. And so they uh, they did that for us. And then uh, as far as like pass rush and as far as my game, uh, I think C has helped me out a lot. He, he just used to teach me where to put my eyes, uh, how to use my hands, uh Time and why some stuff like that, and then uh, and then I played I played a year. Um, I don't I don't know why I'm. Oh, uh, excuse me, I played a year with Elvis Dumerville, and Elvis taught me how to never waste a rep. Uh, Elvis, 
like in practice, like when Noah, like it after the 12th week, like nobody really want to practice or practice hard. We all like, all right, we know what we get. Elvis never wasted, wasted a rep. Every rep he was out there, he went 110% just because he knew uh, how this game worked and how th- that's the only way to become great. And that's what that's what he believed in, and that's what he did every day. And and I I I tried to steal that from Elvis with never west, wasting a rep. So if it's running to the ball, or if it's you know your get off, you always can be working on something. You can always be crafting your game to where you not you're not going overboard, but you're not wasting reps either. I love that. Elvis Dumerville is a bad man, as we know. Zach Orr is actually a favorite player of mine, number 54. He's, uh, that dude is, is legit. So I, I love that. But I want to take a look at the draft this year. So, Matthew, you're the definition of a success story, right? Grand Valley State, fifth round, now a two-time Pro Bowler. There's no combine this year. Obviously, it's been a crazy year. But, you know, from somebody who's a smaller guy, came from a smaller school, right, and you showed out at the, the combine, certainly that probably helped your, your draft stock. But What's maybe some advice that you could give to a smaller school guy who, who was not going to get that attention? And maybe, you know, if they were counting on a huge combine this year, you know, what, what's the best way to kind of get in front of teams and, and, you know, get your talent known and so you can get drafted? Uh, well, I think, I think you, you just go do what you would have did at the uh, combine at your pro day and you show out there and, uh, you know, you finish every drill hundred or hundred and ten percent or hundred percent, whatever you got, whatever you got, give it there. And then uh and then would you just just stand on what you did this season and, and become that player. A lot of a lot of people you gotta you gotta change your game when you get to the league. But if a team drafts you or gets you in free agency, they seen something in you while you was playing to make them want to see what you can do for their team or their organization. So just be that player, just stand on that. And I think, I think that's what I did uh, when I was in the combine and in my preseason. Uh, preseason, I just went out there and was the player that I was at, at Grand Valley. And, you know, and I just, you know, I proved a lot of people wrong and I proved the uh, people that, put their faith in me and they trusted me right. And uh and and that's what you just gotta do. It, it's a lot of people overthink it. Like it, it's not that it's not that hard. You know, most of most of football players been playing Madden for years. So you should know some type of schemes or some type of formations and stuff. And then, you know, just translate that to the football field or translate that to the meeting room. And and make sure that you know, you ask enough questions. Like, if you don't understand something, you know, don't be afraid because it's it's gonna be veterans in a in, in a or the room that you know been through that scheme or heard that verbiage or that knowledge 120 times over and over a year, and they're not gonna ask questions. Like, when I go to a meeting room, I'm not gonna ask too many questions during preseason and stuff like that because I heard it for the last five years. I heard it for the last two years. And we've been running this scheme since I got in the league. But if this is a new scheme to you, 
stop uh, a veteran, stop the coach right there in his tracks and ask the question because it's a lot of people that, uh, you know, just for, I don't really want to give out tips or nothing, but it's a lot of people where if somebody say a formation and then, or they'd be like, this is a slot formation. But if you don't understand what a, like a slot formation is, like you won't understand the, the, the stuff that they say about a slot formation. And so not only is you lost because you don't know what a slot formation is, all that information after how to defend a slot formation is lost because you don't know what they're talking about. So just make sure you know Make sure you know. Make sure you in the end and set it out, and then that's how you stay around this uh, league. Like smart players stay around this league, and you can you can see it when you talk to pe- uh, people that have been in the league for ten, twelve plus years that they they are intelligent people and they're intelligent about football as well. They have a lot of knowledge about football, and then there's a lot of people that just want to talk about it. You know, you can ask somebody one thing and they might tell you the whole playbook just because a lot of people just want to show off their knowledge. And sometimes you just got to sit there and soak it in as a young dude. And even if you don't be wanting to hear a lot of people talk. So I just I just say stand on what you did in college, stand on the football player. You know, you are and ask a lot of questions. Absolutely. Yeah. And. You said right there you don't want to give up uh, give away tips on the field, but how about tips off the field? One of the things you've been known for is staying remarkably healthy. Is there something to it? Is it maybe your diet? Is it something Chef Anthony's cooking up for you, or is it that, <laughs> that raisin brand you've got boxes of? The Cheetos, man. Yeah, what's your secret? Uh, nah, it's a uh, you know so Chef Anthony do be whipping it up. I just recently got Chef Anthony, uh, and but. I just I work my butt off, man. I, I work my butt off, and I I stay in shape. I never get out of shape. I never get out of shape. And then uh, the Peloton, I didn't have the Peloton with me. I just got the new bike, the one with the screen that rotate. But I didn't had that since my rookie year, and uh, and I've been going on that. I've been going on that, and I think I think that just helps for me with my cardio, keeping my weight where I want it to be. And uh, and then and then you gotta you gotta like treat your body like if if it's if it's a nick or a bruise or something, make sure you get a massage or ART or you know a stretch. You got you got to do something because this is a rough game. Uh, football is a rough game, and you and you don't want to be you don't want to be the person that always gets injured because. You know, those those players don't stay around the league too often. You know, they got to be a special type of talent to get injured every other year and still be in the league for a long time. So, uh, you know, the best – your best ability is availability. And that's what they that's what they say around here. So just make sure you keep your body in check. Body's a temple, man. We all know you're a hard worker, but I, I do got to say this. Raisin Bran? For real? Is that your favorite cereal? That can't be right. No love for like... Crop- no, no, no. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Have you had the Raisin Bran Crunch? No, I haven't. I've only had... All right. Yeah, see, you don't know. Right. See, you don't know. <laughs> see, now, now, now you want to judge me, and uh, you ain't never uh, had 
I just, I've never heard anyone say, yeah, that raisin bran is my go-to. It's usually no, like. It, it's raisin, it's yeah, the right. difference between, <laughs> all right, it's a disparate difference between raisin bran and raisin bran crunch. All right. Now, mm-hmm. now you can get, you can get a Benz, but it might not be an A and G. It's a difference. All right. Is it, you can get some jeans. They not, they might not be seven of mankind. It's a difference. All right. Hey, that's fair enough, man. I just got taken to school on some Raisin Band Crunch. All right, I'm not going to check. That's what I'm saying. Look, look, tonight, after you get off this, go get you some Raisin Brand Crunch. What type of milk you drink? Ooh, it depends. I'm mostly an almond, almond milk guy. It's See, get, you, so, get yeah. you some almond milk, whatever kind you like, whatever brand you like, have it in the morning, and then call me back. All right. You, nice. you call me back after you had that Raisin Brand Crunch. <laughs> it's a deal. If Matthew Judon says you do it, you you do it, man. So I'm I'm all in. But hey, let's uh, let's talk about something a little bit more fun than some raisin brand. But uh, I know you're a big Call of Duty guy on Twitch, and also be sure to check out Matthew at Judon M99 on Twitch. Obviously, it's an awesome forum to to relax, mingle with some fans, gamers alike. But you know, it's a slippery slope, right? We recently saw there's an NBA player, Myers Leonard, who got into a little hot water. He got into it with an opponent there. I'm, I'm curious from from your standpoint, you know, somebody who likes to go on and and play a little bit. Where, how do you walk that line, right? Because, you know, you got, you got people on there who will say stuff about your mama, say stuff about your family, but you, you're, you're a public figure, right? So you got to keep it yeah. keep on cool, collected. Yeah. How do you kind of walk that line when you're online? See, see uh, the, only, the only people I cuss out on, online is people I know. Yeah. If I, I can't, you know, I, I might make a, a stupid play or I might, I think, play within a game. But I, and I might think, uh, you know, that somebody cheating or something. And, you know, I might slip a cuss word or two in there. Uh, but I can't, I can't, I can't get mad. I don't get mad at other people's opinions. I get mad. Like, if you lie about something I did, I'm going to get mad because now you're making people think differently of me. But at other people's opinions, like, you know, people been saying I suck since I've been in the league. Like, I, I can't be mad at that. If you pull up the stats and they show that I suck, all right. You know, but, but so I don't, I just don't, I don't really get mad. And then it is, it is funny sometimes. Sometimes it'd be funny. And then other times if people like do kind of, you know, stupid stuff, you have your mods in there to just block them or kick them out and, I think I think that's a good thing about the platform. It's like, you know, you you can't just you you don't have to sit there and be bullied. And so uh and so for for me to get mad at somebody else that's you know just typing I, I have no clue who they are. Most people's names be stupid. It don't even really be their name and it be cool ranch hot chip at forty seven and then like like bro. Just type in Judah ninety nine and at me, but uh, but so I, so I don't really get mad at people I don't know. But if I'm streaming with Peanut or uh, uh, Patrick Guasso or like Willie Henry, I'm cussing their ass out. I'm cussing, man. Like y'all supposed to be right on my six. If I'm shooting at him, you shoot at him. He he gonna have forty seven bullets in him before he know what happened to him. That's what who was supposed to happen. That's so, right. but I cussed them out. But people I don't know. I don't really, I don't really pay them too much mind. 
Yeah, Peanut, Peanut Tillman, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a buddy of his. He's, he's a good dude. He deserves all the trash talk that he can get because he'll, he'll bring it right back to you tenfold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, go, going off of trash talk, you're a known trash talker on the field. Is, is there any strategy to your trash talking or is it more just like, hey, I know these guys, I'm going to get in their head? Or what's kind of the way you, you approach that? No, nah, see, it, it, just, it just happened naturally. And, and uh, I think it's because, like, my whole family, I, I'm, a, I'm one of ten, right? And I'm the sixth child. And, like, I don't know if y'all can see, but, like, my nose was kind of wide. And I had this, like, nose since I was little. And my face finally, like, caught up to my nose around about high school and stuff. Then I started getting cute. You feel me? But I had a wide nose my whole little life. And, like, my siblings used to call me Simba. And so, like, and I used to make fun of them back. So it was always, it was just, like, I grew up in a house full of trash talk. And so, I, like, I wasn't never letting nobody get an upper hand on me in a trash talk game. And so I just kind of got good at it. And then, you know, it's an emotional game and stuff like that. And if you can't control your emotions during football, one, you'll get tired heck of fast. And then two, it just it just gives your opponent a slight edge. And and that's all you need on any play. You know, I just need I just need one mess up to give me a sack. And that can change the whole game. I can get a sack fumble. We can recover for a touchdown. And that's how I be thinking about it. So I, I feel like it's always a, it's always a chess match. And then, uh, so trash talking, trash talk. You know, sometimes I be quiet. Sometimes, like a quarter, I won't say nothing and stuff. But like most of the times, I'm talking out there on the field, and it, it just keeps me energized too. Yeah, percent. Yeah. All right, Matt. Well, hey, last question, my man, because I see I see that sneaker wall behind you, and that is an impressive setup. What's oh. uh, what's the what's the golden child of that sneaker setup, my man? What's your favorite one? Uh, the golden child. I don't. Uh, I mean, I like the Yeezys. It, this all Yeezys and Jordans over here, and then I got I got like the the Louboutins and the and the Gucci's over here, and then I got I got my Chelsea boots. Like my Chelsea boots over here, and then like Brienne kind of got some room in here, and then I got my dress shoes in here. So I, but I think, I think like, uh, dang, I don't, I don't know if I got a a golden child. I think I say, I say these. I haven't worn them though. I haven't worn them, so I think, I think it's gonna be these the the, the loose with the spice on them. But for those ones, I, I do like those ones or these ones. These ones right here. The, oh yeah, these ones. ones. <laughs> so, so I think I think I can have I can put some, together some nice uh some nice outfits with those. And uh, but man, it's, I'm a big shoe guy, man. Shoe, I like shoes, and they they match your outfits. And I I got shoes from like. 2010 back there and so okay, i've so been collect some of the old ones maybe some of those from 2010 you still haven't even put on the feet huh no nah, i've been trying to wear all of them yeah i, mean, I actually, yeah i actually try to wear all of them 
Cause I, I mean, I don't want to feel like I'm buying stuff just to buy. I don't, right. I don't buy stuff like to collect it. Like yeah, into the wild. Yeah, no, I, I see. I'm not a collector. I, I throw all, all the boxes away, and then, uh, like two, two, three. Not to, I mean, probably around this time last year, I did like. I had I laid out by like 40, 50 shoes out on my Instagram and I took a video of them and I was like, if y'all want them, like circle them, screenshot, circle them, send a picture of them, and I I ship them to them. And I didn't think about it, but uh I went to the I went to the post office and I I, I paid like five hundred dollars to ship like forty pair of shoes off. And I mean, I mean, I was done wearing them. I needed some more room to grow my collection, but you know, they they shoes, they shoes, and they always gonna come out with some more shoes. And so, you know, I don't, I don't be, I don't be strutting over them. I love it. You're a man of the people. Well, I'll get you my address after we uh, we go offline here. Which, my man. You wear you wear fourteen? Absolutely not. But you know, it'd be <laughs> oh man, man, don't have no shoes just to have them. What size you wear? <laughs> Oh, I'm ten and a half, man. Yeah, I'm way down there. <laughs> Shit, I don't, don't nobody is on ten and a half. It's okay. <laughs> well, hey, listen, Matthew, this was a blast, man. We really appreciate the time. Once again, Matthew Judon, two-time Pro Bowler. Uh, follow him on Twitch, Judon M99, and also follow him on Twitter at man underscore damn. Matthew, you're the man. Best of luck in free agency next season. We really appreciate the time, bro. All right, thank y'all for having me. All right, our thanks to Matthew Judon. That was a great interview. Andrew, let's jump over to the NBA. So a couple big stories here. Blake Griffin has officially signed with the Nets. Now, in my opinion, I'm not sure this does anything to move the needle. One thing that's, I guess, is common knowledge, but I figured out over the All-Star break is that our man Blake hasn't dunked in over a year. So clearly the, the guy's body's breaking down, but, you know, maybe this is the shot in the arm that he needs, you know, playing with that, that trio out there and getting him some easy buckets. And certainly it's the best – opportunity he's had to win a championship in his career what do you make of the move yeah I mean we talked about it last week I don't know that this really moves the needle in the Eastern Conference especially on a team like the Nets who are already looking like the title favorites um, I guess it's fun you know it, it's fun to have four is- or five former all-stars on the same team especially two-thirds of Lob City back together with him and DeAndre and you're right maybe maybe this like change of scenery he's finally on a contending team where he doesn't have to be the star of the show revitalizes him and maybe he becomes a great contributor on a championship team. But yeah, I just don't see him really as a guy who, who changes the outcome of the game, especially in that, in that locker room where he would be the fourth or fifth option. Yeah, I guess that's the other side of the coin too, right? I mean, he knows what situation he's walking into. He is going to be that fourth or fifth option. And I would say probably closer to fifth or sixth because you got a guy like Joe Harris, who, I mean, he doesn't deserve to have minutes taken away from him. Joe Harris is a legitimate player. So how do you think Blake actually sort of acclimates himself to this team and for the first time in his career takes, you know, a limited minutes roll off the bench? Yeah, it's going to be interesting, especially because the, the Nets play so much from the perimeter. I mean, Kyrie, James Harden, NKD, and Joe Harris are all, they shoot. I mean, those are all guys that play from the perimeter. So maybe they're going to roll with, we're, all four of us are going to be, you know, launching threes and you're there for the, the pickup cl- the crew on the rebounding which I, I guess he's not dunking, but I guess he can still – he's tolling and get rebounds. 
Yeah, he's like the equivalent of like, you know, Little League Baseball, you put that kid in right field or you pick up pick up basketball, you take the guy who's like not athletic and it's just like, hey, just get some rebounds, set some screens. Maybe that's what Blake Griffin is going to be to the Nets. But certainly they don't need help, but they, they got a little bit uh, of help there as well. But let's look to another big man who actually – the big story here, LaMarcus Aldridge. Spurs are now in talks to trade him. Looks like he's going to be sitting for the foreseeable future until they figure something out. Certainly – I think this is the Spurs doing doing right by LaMarcus Aldridge. They know they're not going to compete. They're trying to give the guy a chance to win a championship. With that in mind, who do you think he helps out the most if, if a team's lucky enough to get him? Well, you know what's interesting is I don't know that it's, it's them offloading him because they don't look at themselves as, as a contender. If you actually look well, at – they're not. No, they're not going to win the finals or anything, but I think they're, they're still in the playoff hunt. They very much could be a team that especially makes a play-in game but they, if you look statistically at their team, they're very productive when LaMarcus Aldridge is off the floor. Everyone on the team, DeMar DeRozan, uh, DeJounte Murray, Keldon Johnson, all those guys play better without him. So I think the reason that the Spurs are so outspoken about this is I think they actually think it's going to benefit their team this season and not just going forward getting assets to benefit them down the road. Um, so I don't know. I think I'm not saying they're going to be a title contender, but I still think they're looking at this as a move that would continue to have them in the playoff race. But in terms of where he could go, I mean, Boston needs a big man. I don't know that that's a perfect fit. I think Drummond's a better fit there. Yeah. I mean, Brooklyn, they still – that makes a lot of sense. He yeah. went to Texas, and so did KD. Maybe there's some camaraderie there. I mean, Golden State would make a lot of sense. Yeah, we um, did just mention the Nets like to play from the perimeter, and I don't know if Blake Griffin's the guy to kind of bang bang down there under the boards. They certainly have DeAndre Jordan, but I think Marcus Aldridge would be an upgrade pretty much for anybody, but – I guess what you're saying is, is that he's, he's garbage, right? I'm not saying he's garbage. I just don't think he works in terms of chemistry with the, the rest of the players on that team. He just doesn't fit the style anymore. Uh, it, it certainly doesn't suit the, the Spurs style either to play for the play-in game, but I, I, I see you working. I understand. Well, let's – okay, so now we got the second half. is kicking off in the NBA. Predictions are tired and played, and they don't really mean much at this point. So – Let's kind of let's flip that on its head. Rather than make some predictions for the second half, maybe give me a storyline or something that you would like to see happen and maybe support it with a fact or two that, that would actually, you know, you're not just pulling it out of thin air. The New York Knicks will win at least one playoff series. Oh. That is what I want to see happen. I want to see that because right now they're the four seed, right? So they would actually get home court advantage in a first-round playoff series. And at this point, they've played well enough for half the season that I don't think it's – it's like a, a – like I think they're somewhat for real. Granted, Thibodeau might play all his players into the ground and they come playoff time not, may not be ready, but they're not just a one-off team that had a good week or two. They had a great first half, and I think it's better for the sport if the Knicks are relevant and fun. You know, and it, we can mock all the Knicks fans as much as we like, but to have the, the, the premier New York team in it, especially right now when Brooklyn's, you know, in it, maybe that's the start of a fun rivalry going forward. I don't know. That's something yeah. I'd like to see. Yeah, I guess it's, you know, both teams have to be decently good to have a decent rivalry. But, yeah, I guess they're on that upward trajectory. And if we're, if we're in the business of making some bold predictions, I'll, I'll say this. I think the Golden State Warriors are going to make it to at least the second round, if not the, the NFC. The NFC, good God in heaven. The, the Western Conference Finals. And not only that, I think, well, especially James Wiseman's coming on. Curry – showed everybody showed the entire world of the all-star break why he is still the best pure shooter probably in history but 
maybe a trade for LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, to some of the top, maybe Andre Drummond ends up there. I don't know. But all I can say this, if they make it to the Western conference finals, you're going to see Clay Thompson making an appearance and we got our splash bros back and we are ready to rock and look out rest of the world. The, the golden state warriors are back, baby. Now, until you, you dropped the Clay Thompson bit, I was a little hesitant to hop on board with that. But when you do, that would be fun. Think about Clay that. Thompson just came out of left field and was like, I'm back for the Western Conference How sweet would that be? Like Lakers, Warriors, all of a sudden Clay Thompson's making his way back, just splashing threes, like two dribbles, 36 points. Yeah. I can't think of anything better. That's I a wet dream. I just imagine, you know, a clip, the clip from Space Jam where Bill Murray shows up to save the day. And we just photoshopped Clay Thompson's face onto Bill Murray's athletic yeah. body. And we, the same thing plays out. Well, I, I worry that, that Clay may be as slow as, as Bill Murray. But, you know, as long as the dude can splash threes and just park his, park his butt behind the three-point line, hey, man, anything's possible and it's all deadly. Well, speaking of being back, quote-unquote, the NHL is back, baby. They got a new seven-year deal with ESPN. Now, I, I'm a fan of the NHL. I, I think the NHL is one of those, those sports. It's really the only sport where I'd rather watch that live than watch it on TV. Certainly it's big in Canada. You know, this, this whole season has been kind of strange where they've they basically cordoned off all the divisions and re, reallocated the divisions. I like the All-Canada division, but this idea that I think some teams played like a full seven-game series, like five, six, seven games back to back to back against the same team, which is bizarre. But certainly with this deal with ESPN, I mean, does this help revive the league or, you know, is it still too far off the radar for most casual sports fans? I mean, I, I think it's, it's only going to help. I don't know if it'll completely revive the league, but just I think the biggest, one of the biggest issues the NHL has is especially in these environments where it's like Southern California or Arizona where hockey's not big here in terms of kids playing it. They need to be on TV screens. And right now NBC Sports is not going to get you in front of the amount of people you need to get in front of to get that sport up and rolling. And it's such a fun sport. NHL playoffs might be like the best sporting event outside of March Madness. It's just every, every round is so fun. I mean, the entirety of the playoffs, not just like one specific game with the Super Bowl, for example, but like the first round of the NHL playoffs, one seed versus eight seed is always competitive. Like it's not like the NBA where it's kind of a wash. It's, we're going through the motions. The NHL playoffs is something to behold, and I don't think enough fans are exposed to it. So the fact that it's going to be on ESPN now should give them a lot more visibility. And I think that's exactly one of the things they need to continue to you know, build interest in the United States. Yeah, I'll give you credit. I do think the NHL playoffs is electric. It's, it's very, very fun. I've been to a few playoff games myself. It's, it's awesome. Uh, putting it up on par maybe better than the NFL playoffs. I don't know about that. But that's fair enough. The one thing I will say is that if you're going to bring the NHL back to ESPN, they better bring back my guy, Gary Thorne, because there is no better guy to call hockey than Gary Thorne. And I know there's been a report that he is interested in talking to ESPN. So if you're going to do it, please, ESPN, do it all in, throw your chips in the middle of the table and bring back Gary Thorne. But let's do a quick little, <laughs> little aside to Major League Baseball. And I, I literally can't say this without LOLing because there's a video of Mets spring training and you know everybody's practicing the basics the bunting down the first first and third baseline you know picking off the runner where do you go in a pickle the Mets are practicing celebrating winning the World Series now I don't really even know where to begin with the ridiculousness of this but certainly 
fair enough. The Mets have made some big moves in the offseason. Francisco Lindor, they've got some really interesting pieces there, and they're probably as, as, as primed for a postseason run as they have been maybe since the Subway Series. But <laughs> what, what the hell are they doing practicing celebrating winning the World Series in spring training? I mean, does, does this, is, this what, is this the spark plug that they need to get going with the season? I mean, I hope not, because if you haven't seen the video, for those listening, you have to go watch it. It's as pathetic yeah. as, you, as it would sound, and it's, it's so bad, and it's so Mets. It's so on brand with their dysfunction, but it's, it's literally something you would you do if you're coaching a t-ball team. Like, hey, guys, let's pretend you won the World Series. Let's, like, have fun, you know, and you'll get your orange slices afterwards. And you can see in the celebration, that's exactly what they look like. They're half-assed in it. They're like – Oh, we won. And it's at some point, if, if you're going to do it, you have to commit to the bit Mets players. Come on. Yeah, it's to, a classic participation trophy type deal. Uh, who knows? I'd like to say, you know, hey, Mets, act like you've been there before, but they really haven't. So I guess that is where we are in this world. But uh, let's move on to our final segment, our dud and dude of the week. I'll start with the dud. I think it's pretty easy this week. It's Myers Leonard. My man totally stepped in it on Twitch this last week. Uh, certainly, we won't go into the details because they're pretty ugly, but he got into it with an opponent playing Call of Duty. Everybody knows it gets a little uh, little dicey in there, but as our guy Matthew Judon said, you know, sometimes you just got to block somebody or just you know, not take it personally, which is really what Myers Leonard should have done. He was fined 50K, suspended for a week. I actually, He actually got lucky. Had he been healthy, he would have forfeited about 324K in game salaries, so... I guess the gods were smiling on him for that. I don't know if this punishment fits the crime. It's certainly ignorant. It's stupid. Uh, you got to read the room, man. you you got to know your, your professional athlete talking to probably a 14-year-old kid, uh, which is just absolutely ridiculous. But um, I guess from that standpoint, it's just the dude – he said he didn't know what it meant, which – whatever I, I'm in no position to judge but that's a that's a hell of a deep pull uh type of racist card for somebody who doesn't know what a word means so Myers Leonard is easily the dud of the week yeah no and if what's really sad is if you watch the video you, there's a pause before he says it where you can tell he's thinking processing processing he's like oh should I say it and celebrating yes yeah, even yeah. if even if he doesn't you say he didn't actually know the meaning he knew it was bad enough that he had the first, the second to go, oh, maybe I shouldn't say this over a live stream over the internet. But yeah, it's just, come on, dude. Like, what did you expect to happen? You're playing Call of Duty and, and I don't know. It's, it's yeah, it's self-explanatory why he should win Dota of the Week. That's just terrible. Yeah, that, that was an easy one. That was, that was kind of a layup for me. But, you know, any, any guy who's got, uh, I forget what he's got. He's got like those two bicep tattoos. It's something like, blessed always or something anybody blessed forever anybody who's who's willing to do that is also probably gonna let let his tongue slip on online so maybe just stay off call of duty for a little while myers all right who's your dude of the week andrew well again i, I think in in honor of international women's day being this week we have to do a dudette two weeks in a row to Double start that week i, I think it. This is to all the ladies out there that are breaking barriers and making it a, a thing that in sports where it should be, where it's, it's, it's another woman being hired, not the first. It's, and that's how, the way it should be. The best people who are qualified should be hired to do it and continue doing what you're doing, ladies. And hopefully in 10 years, we're not even talking about this. It's so ingrained in sports that 
a woman being hired for something in sports doesn't even register on the radar. So kudos to you guys, 100% behind you and, and keep it up. Right on. You're, you're a man of the people and a man of the women, my man. Well, that's all the time we have today. This is the Walk-Ons Podcast. Our special thanks to our guest, Matthew Judon, Andrew Schuster, killing it as always. 